Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman. We have our friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Uh, Erica's not joining us today. Holidays, hanging out. You know, we're in that stretch. It's actually, uh, for our listeners, I guess we should say Happy New Year because they'll be hearing this in the new year. We're recording this on New Year's Eve. It is currently December 31st. Uh, and I guess we'll get into what everybody's got planned for uh, New Year's Eve, what that even looks like in a pandemic. Uh, but yeah, uh, first though, I want to say uh, off the top, Max, I don't know who did this, but I got a, a delivery to my door. I go, that's weird. And it was addressed to me, to Mike Veerman. I mean, like, usually anything gets delivered is addressed to Danica. Uh, and so I opened the box and I'm like, what? And I received the pill from Nick Nurse, indoor outdoor <laughs> ball. It's, oh, it's not, not blown up. <laughs> it comes in. It comes deflated, and I've still got to. I was going to say up. it really yeah. looks like a pill. Yeah, the shape of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hooping anytime soon. So. Oh, that's amazing. So thank you. A little uh, Christmas gift uh, for you, Mikey. Well, thank you. Th- thanks to whoever sorted that. I, I imagine it was you, Ash, uh, whatever that was. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, and I'm assuming you wouldn't be humiliating me live on air because I haven't received anything yet. But of course, I'm not <laughs> at my house. Uh, so well, Mike, thank you. Mike's the host anything. of the show. Oh, that um, makes sense. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Ash, insinu- Ash insinuated something might be coming. But yeah, I don't yes, want to yes, like yes, count, yes. count my eggs before they're hatched or whatever. Thank yeah, you Shane, in advance, possibly. Shane is currently uh, spending the holidays up at a cottage. You're far. You're up north, so you, your basketball is probably sitting on your porch at home here in Hamilton. Hopefully, it's still there when you get home. I Hamilton have my there. sister monitoring any uh, porch pirates, so hopefully it's That's- uh, safe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, guys, it's uh, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, Max, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Um, well, after this pod, I'm going to go jam in the garage. Um, so your thing now. at my at my neighbor's house. So basically, across the street from where I grew up, um, my neighbors Alex and Eli, who played in my first high school band, uh, they're back living at home because they're kind of both like teaching abroad, and we've gotten the band back together. So basically, we've moved from their basement into their garage. We uh, the garage is open, so it kind of goes onto the laneway. All the neighbors come hang out. And it's been really fun because we've just been playing kind of covers. And I and I was actually talking about this with Aaron Goldstein, who's a musician friend of mine, because he really wants to come by because he saw that we we're doing like Beatles songs and the Stones and stuff. He's like, when's the last time you just got together just to jam and nothing matters? I'm like, it's probably been a decade because every other time I've gone together for some musical reason there's always something on the line like something is important we're trying to write a song we're rehearsing for a gig or whatever this is just like nobody shows up rehearsed nobody shows like people just kind of show up with like their instrument and then you're like "Uh, anyone want to do jumping jack flash and then like (laughs) okay and then you kind of like struggle your way through the first like two and a half minutes but then by about the third minute and you're on like verse number seven because you just kind of keep looping it you're like oh yeah we sound fucking amazing <laughs> it's it's great and uh yeah and, and so jonathan and johnny deshman who played bass in my high school band he's there uh this other guy will also takes lead vocals so it's like it's not the pressure's not on me to like do all the singing and dancing and performing but i will say uh some of the neighbors have come by and watch and the rush of having like four or five people that have known you your whole life watch you and get into it is still pretty awesome right now. (laughs) Are you going to still record it and repackage it and sell it? Eventually, Um, we're not going to do we're not going to do that because uh, it's it's genuinely not great. But Ash is already talking about we should make some merch because if there's one thing Ash likes, it's like we should we should totally make some merch. for this. (laughs) Does, Does your garage band have a name? 
we don't have a name yet. We're gonna we're gonna work on that maybe mm-hmm. today even. But actually, I will say I am kind of pissed off though because and maybe you guys can help me see the light here a little bit because clearly I don't understand. I I was talking to Tony in our band and uh, I was like, Tony, you're in Toronto. You should come because uh, Tom Moffat, our trumpet players, come by. He's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Let me let me know. And then I said, okay, today four o'clock. He's like, oh, bro, it's uh. It's it's uh, that's that's dinner time and uh you know it's Christmas it's it's New Year's Eve I don't want to be in the doghouse with Scarlett I'm like what the fuck you've spent every fucking day with your family you have not been on tour one fucking day who gives a shit if it's New Year's Eve you're gonna see her tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and for for the next six months and you've seen her for the previous nine months if you don't make it home for dinner who gives one flying fuck Tony come to the fucking gig jesus christ i couldn't even respond to him i was so furious I was like, oh, jesus you, you thought that in your wow. mind you didn't just unleash that to no, him. no i did not text him back i just wanted to complain what if to it guys. was so christmas I, eve though would you understand christmas eve like barely i mean christmas eve maybe a little bit more but in 2020 what difference does it fucking make it, in it's some ways max so it makes more of a difference because we don't have uh-huh. any special days that you try uh-huh. to make the unspecial days special I know you're a cynical guy, Max, but <laughs> okay, it's the well, way, it's the way get... us family men think. <laughs> I, well, it's funny you say that because I actually, I, I think the divide is so fascinating because I know exactly what Max is saying. Like these are arbitrary days. They're made up things. They're kind of like, what does it matter essentially when you're spending all this time together? It's the whole like, let's not make a big deal about dinner for your birthday. Let's just try and do dinner all the time. And so I get it, but I also know what Shane's saying where it's like, I guess if we don't have these things, then it's just an endless sea of days all together. But I don't know. I like my Fridays to feel like a Friday. I like Saturday to feel like a Saturday. I like every day to have a vibe. I like the holidays to still exist. Yeah. You know, like you guys used to get together on Christmas Eve and party. And I always found that so, so weird to me. Even like in the before times you would do that. That was Christmas night. It was AJ. Like Christmas day night. Right. Yeah. It's like after we were all done with our families, we would all get together uh, for just like, you know, friend time after everything winds down and then everyone like nine o'clock mm-hmm. on Christmas night would go to AJ's place slash Max's place. And then we just all get drunk, man. Yeah. To me, the that old was world. so, so unfathomable just cause to me, uh, Christmas has to feel like Christmas for the whole day into, into boxing day and into New Year's Eve. The other thing too, is there, there's like a kid thing that matters. I could never, even if we weren't in a pandemic, I couldn't go to Max's on Christmas night. I, and I wouldn't want to. I'd want to be with, th- that does change. So it's like, you do want to like be in those moments with your kid and all that. But yeah, no, Max, like as a guy that has been indoors with my family uh, for months and months and months, I'm very jealous that you're out jamming in a garage band. Uh, I think that oh sounds so damn fun. So pure. It's, a, it's amazing. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it's like the only thing I have in my life right now. So it's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> but no, it was like the saddest statement ever. Yeah. We all just kind of like got, we just kept it moving. <laughs> it's the only joy in my life right now. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I laugh okay. so I don't okay. cry. Like, I don't know. Like, I yeah, I didn't mean to laugh at you. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, but uh, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? I mean, for New Year's Eve. We're uh, uh, some of the champagne wives are, have set up like a, like a Zoom call. I guess. And so uh, Danica's preparing some trivia, uh, some multiple choice trivia that will happen on the Zoom. Um, There's also a Raptors Knicks game on that I might have like one eye on the Knicks game and then one eye on the Zoom. You know how that goes. Shaney boy. 
I, I'm just learning about the Zoom thing now. I somehow haven't heard of it. I'm <laughs> I guarantee you Alex is in the group that they were discussing. It. I, I guarantee you. So Alex she just is. wouldn't tell me? My own wife isn't telling me things now? Like, this is strange. <laughs> well, well, maybe yeah. you guys have a family plan. You were saying that you want to go to bed at nine. So maybe she didn't, She, you know. I, I don't know. You, ha- you have to talk to her. Yeah, the internet connection is not the greatest here. I'm sure it's in the queue uh, and she's about to read it somehow. But yeah, okay. Um, well, this is, I think, a good uh, launching point, though, to talk about this brewing scandal that's happening in our country with a mm-hmm. politician that is working remotely or was trying to work remotely like you, Shane. Uh, Mike, mm-hmm. set it up. All right. So Canadian political uh, scandal is happening right now for our, our American listeners or people in the UK or anywhere else in the world. Um, Premier Doug Ford is under pressure after he admits knowing about his finance minister, Rod Phillips, trip uh abroad uh for weeks um where did this guy go i don't actually have that information saint bart's saint bart's that's it a a place where the wealthy like to vacation so essentially in ontario uh we are in like a various degrees of sort of like drowning under the positive uh covid uh cases that are popping up so things are in lockdown they're asking families to make sacrifices uh and this guy scurries off to saint bart's in the mid middle december i guess he always vacations down there for christmas and then he 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 had a series of Tweets that went up on like Christmas Eve and leading up to where he's he's by like the 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 fire and he's got the gingerbread house made and he's basically saying you know I'm sorry we're all having to make these sacrifices but we appreciate it but he's actually like chilling on the beach and traveling when we've been telling people to not travel so this is just like another example of sort of like gross hypocrisy do as I say not as I do uh, and so currently who knows by the time this comes out people are calling for him to resign they're calling he for has Doug resigned Ford. it just came nine ten Whoa. minutes ago he resigned yeah hot up he the resigned. presses. Wow. Yeah, off the press. Yeah. So there you have it. Is he uh, heading back to St. Bart's? That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't have, he doesn't have to go back to work in 2021. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like he goes right back to yeah. Pearson. Yeah. <laughs> off the airport, back into the airplane. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That'd be amazing if he did that. If he's like, "Fuck it, whatever." Like, I like, I got a, I got a, you know, timeshare down there that I want to yeah. make the most. <laughs> yeah, I came back early because of this scandal. What a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he told his wife? He'd be like, "You know what? You should stay here because there's a pretty good chance." That I'm gonna have to resign, and I'll be back in like three days. So just stay there. <laughs> Did he hilarious. really come back to resign? Like he flew. Back. Yeah. Wow. He just he. Well, no, no, no. He came back. He did a press conference this morning, uh, where he was very sort of repenting and and saying that you know I made gross uh, negligence with my decisions. Uh, did he have the zinc on be- his nose while he was giving the speech? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the vacation hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, but, he, but he was going to uh, talk to Doug Ford. He's like, I'm going to see Doug right now. It's going to be a tough conversation. And then I guess it just came out that uh, he resigned. So there you have it. I'm wow. actually surprised he resigned just because there's such like a... I, I'm surprised he wasn't more stubborn about it. Like, yeah, I made a mistake, but I'm keeping my position. I, like, honestly, you'd think it's the only honorable thing to do. I don't is to think resign. it's his choice, though. I, th- I think it's Doug Ford's like, you got to resign. I think that's the way these things happen with any cabinet person. Whenever you hear like the secretary of state or whatever, it's just like if the president or the premier or the prime minister is like, yo, bro, like you, if you're part of our party, you got to do what's best for the party. You got to go. And then you go. So I think he probably was fired, but then. He got to say that the dignity resigned. of resigning, and also Doug, Doug knew about it for two weeks, the last two weeks, and didn't demand he come back. So that was something that Doug was being criticized for as well. Like Doug was like, "I didn't know he went. He didn't tell me he went. I found out. I was disappointed." But then people were kind of like, "Well, wouldn't you tell him to get his ass back on a plane?" Well, one of my questions is like, 
um, I'm always interested when the when one of these kind of scandal breaks. If you were to like poll the population, how many people would actually be upset versus like a lot of people are like ah whatever I don't I don't really give a shit or what's the difference between him working there or at a cottage? Like, what do you think the splits are? I guess is my question because there's like some people that are justifiably angry, and if you look at Twitter, you're gonna see a lot of people that are very pissed off about it. But then in real life, do you think any like I wonder? I really wonder how many people are actually offended by it. Uh, what would you guess, Shane? I'd say it's 80% of people are just fascinated and like a good gossip story and want to grab the popcorn. And then the 10% of people who are really pissed are people who had planned to go on vacation. And then the, uh, the rest are just trolls who are mad at everything and hop on that (laughs) bandwagon. (laughs) That sounds about right. Uh, it did make it like the guardian, you know, like it, it made international, international mood. Yeah. I, my thing is it's like, these things don't surprise me because I feel like I've been, I'm so desensitized to different rules for different people, uh, in society that I just, when I see news like this, I'm just like, I'm kind of like, eh, yeah, that, that makes sense. I assume that's kind of going on in a lot of facets of life. That being said, I think he 100% needed to either get booted or resigned. Like if he got to keep the job, then I would have been kind of like, I would have been annoyed for sure. I wouldn't have like, I would never leave comments. I wouldn't like (laughs) get super riled up. I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep over it. But a part of me would be like, eh, that fucking guy, you know, if he got to keep the gig. So but he did leave before the lockdown, right? That's a good question. I think he knew the lockdown was coming, but I think he went. And I feel like the thing that was really egregious and bothered people was he obviously shot videos to deceive the public yes 100 percent. did you notice the little little tree next to him is christmas video it looked like a little branch that you might have found from a tropical tree like it did not look like a christmas tree it was very good oh really no i I didn't notice that it was a palm tree Mm, that's a weird choice (laughs) Uh, finance minister steel drums in the background Hmm. (laughs) well apparently he was he did a zoom and he just used like one of those like green screen like backgrounds like parliament or something like that and uh and uh, I don't know, I can't remember if it was I, in the article, it was either the liberals or somebody tweeted like, is that waves we hear in the background of your Zoom? So clearly somebody knew the deal and they were kind of being pithy. I don't think that, you know what I mean? And they were kind of in this, it starts oh, the snowball. I thought they that. were joking and the joke just happened to be dead on the money. That would be wild. Who do you think leaked it? Do we know who leaked uh, his his vacation? That's interesting too. I wonder if it's like somebody from like the liberals or the NDP or something. That yeah. would be that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe the enemy was also vacationing. <laughs> they saw each other. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. If they saw each other on the beach. Yeah. 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 Jake meets Singh is on the beach. He's like, yeah, you don't say anything. I won't say anything. <laughs> yeah. In that case, though, no, it never gets out. It's just mutually assured destruction. So you both keep yeah. it quiet. Yeah. I do appreciate how um, Canadian the scandal is. Whenever anything like this happens and like it's like a big news story, like it actually makes me feel more reassured about like how our government is run and the general like temperament of the people. Because if this is the kind of thing that is like whooping people up into a frenzy up here, it's just like, okay, we're okay. Like all things considered, because compared to the chaos of, of the states, which it feels like politicians are doing like crazy ass shit all the time this is like a guy by the way the guy was probably working all the time like in st bart's it's not like he was just like fucking off like at the local bar in st bart's getting wasted or something like he's on a bachelor trip he's probably (laughs) working 14 hours a day he just happened to have like 
a nicer walk in the morning. That like we can also maybe assume that. So it's it's funny that like it wasn't actually. I don't find it to be that yeah, personal. This, this is scandalous. Kind of fishy. I'm expecting you the background so? to drop down, Max, and we're gonna see a beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two walls just collapse. Yeah, they just fall down. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him a mai tai. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, say I'm practicing with you every day. Garage <laughs> practice. People will believe it. I'll perpetuate it on the pod. Oh my god. Um okay, here's a question. Do, um do you think I find when you see these kinds of stories where politicians are getting in trouble, it makes any other kind of like business person who's smart and likes attention and likes being in leadership positions that much less likely to run for politics because you can imagine there's a lot of business leaders that like run Canadian companies that are like, Oh, I'm actually going to be staying in my Costa Rican home for the next few months and just working down there. Or, Oh, I'll be, I'll have to be in LA because I have my place down there. There's some business and you can make up some whatever bullshit excuses. No one's really holding you accountable anyway. And you can just go on and live your generally like privileged life per, uh, per, as per usual. And so anyone who's like has been running a company and goes, nah, I think I'm thinking about running for office. They see that guy and he's getting dinged for going to St. Bart's and, and they go, ah, never mind. Fuck it. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that anymore because I'm just under so much more scrutiny. Do you think that's like a, a thing that's happening more and more these days for, for possible like would be politicians, Mike? I think it's a deterrent for sure. I, I mean, this is kind of the larger argument that you might not get the the brightest and the best going into, you know, leaders like public leadership or politics, because like you said, like the super savvy operators are like, I'd rather just own my own company and sort of, you know, maybe I can affect change in other ways, but I don't want the scrutiny of sort of, you know, the public. That being said, that's like, you're getting paid with our tax dollars. That's what, that's what the money's for. Like we, we can scrutinize you, you know? And I, I mean, I get what you're saying, Max, but I do think you're right. I think it's a deterrent. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, definitely. I feel like at one point it was better to be famous than rich or more fun. And now I feel like it's just more fun to be rich. And I think everyone can agree with that. Like there's just too much responsibility that goes with fame. And, you know, we're all so fallible as humans, but you can't really slip up in any major way or you're almost like shunned for months at a time at the at a minimum. No, that, that, that's a very good point because you just like wonder just how everything is documented these days. And just like you hear stories back in the day of like politicians doing this or that and or and professional athletes for that matter just like public people could be uh, a lot more private with, with without everybody having a camera phone you know it's like you just like hear these like crazy stories about like after hours bars or people just kind of misbehaving uh or not even misbehaving but just sort of like doing things that you know would be fine in a room but maybe not good on a camera and oh, yeah I was yeah, just, just watching a documentary. Uh, the, there's this Bee Gees documentary on Crave oh! right now. Did you, did I, you see I, it? I'm about 20. I have about 20 minutes left. It's fucking okay. awesome though. So like that stretch where they go to Miami and then they end up writing that the crazy like five bangers that end up on the, the, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack or whatever. Like I just think about like that time, like Eric Clapton had been in Miami and he like wrote this record Then they had the same management. So he tells them, he's like, listen, if you guys are in a funk, like go to Miami, get out of the UK, blah, blah, blah. They go there. They all end up like living there. They end up like migrating their whole family to Miami. But I just kept thinking when they showed sort of like the, the rise of disco and all of this stuff, uh, like imagine being like a multimillionaire BG, like on South Beach in Miami in 19, like 76. Like, it's just like, 
that was probably like the, 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 when fame was awesome. Like Shane's saying, like now mm-hmm. it's like, I'd rather just have the money. I don't want to be famous. But when I think about like these BGs guys, they just show them by the pool. I'm like, that is the, like, that is like, must've been such a fun time. And yeah, it's very fascinating. James Harden wishes that he was a part of that generation. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, honestly. Hey, but you know what? Honestly, guys, uh, Shane, you need to watch this documentary. We could do a whole pod on this Bee Gees doc. It's so fucking good. Uh, oh, I, want, I have Mike, to see it, yeah. I, now I'm really building it up. Mike, but like all the, some of the Beatles overlap. Like there's so many funny parts of that story, which I, which I didn't know about. Like, which I was like, oh, I had no idea that this whole career before the disco stuff. I Is had no it idea better than the Eagles brother. doc or same? I, I I think part one of that Eagles doc is like still one of the greatest like part yeah, ones. No, I, I think it. that this I think this Bee Gees doc is very good. I, it, it's very good. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but I don't think it's like some like life changing doc. And they skip over some stuff and they're trying to tell the story of the three brothers and then they bring in the younger brother Andy. So there's a lot to get in, but it's just like all of a sudden we're on a second marriage of one of the guys and they they jump around a lot, which is just how you have to do one of those things. But you have like Chris Martin talking about you know when the Bee Gees get the backlash, he's like, listen, we understand what it's like to get back because there's this roadmap the bgs like they didn't know they're just like wait why does everyone hate us now because people hate disco like but and then their whole growth in the 60s and it's cool i i i definitely like i recommend it um and i enjoyed it a lot so i, I think it's definitely worth watching like max said we could do a whole, a whole okay maybe not a whole episode but we could do a segment yeah uh, so so shane next next pod let's let's talk about the bgs and you watch got it, it okay yep. right. yeah cool uh yeah, you got 20 minutes left, Max. I wanted to, I, when you're done, text me because there's a, there's a line near the end that's like, for me, that was like, I was like, it was a real kicker. I was like, mm, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Good. Um, but actually that kind of weirdly, uh, one of the things we we're going to do because this is, I guess <laughs> we're recording it as a year end pod, but it will probably be the first of the year for our listeners. We were going to do this thing where we were going to talk about one thing. Normally we would totally review like the year that passed 2020, whether it's like our top five movies, music, whatever. Instead, we decided, uh, Manager Ash had this great idea where maybe we don't want to look too far back. So we pick one thing that we love from 2020. It can be any kind of thing that we enjoyed, whether it's a book or a movie or a show or music or whatever that might be. And then one thing we're looking forward to in 2020 so we can look, look ahead to 2021 as opposed to just sort of living in this last year that has been pretty dismal. Uh, do you guys have the thing that you loved in 2020, the one thing and the one thing you're looking forward to? Have you prepared this? Shaney boy, I know you've prepared yep. this. Okay, so I wrote some things down here. So for sure, <laughs> I'm just going to list a couple things. Tiger King. Like everyone, Whoa. it was on everyone's mind for a split second, but then it it passed, right? And then it almost became too popular where it wouldn't be really cool to put that on this list. But at the time, it was the greatest thing in my life. I looked forward to it every, every single night. And then a close runner up would be the Michael Jordan doc. And oh, that, that I thought one. was was so, again, I was looking forward to it every day. You hate to see it end. It probably peaked at the Rodman episode, but still, like I, I loved every second of it. Uh, something I'm looking forward to in 2021 would be, I hope I think you should leave season two comes out. I'm really hoping for it. Uh, and uh, How To with John Wilson. That's another show I really enjoyed in 2020 that I'm hoping. Your boy produces that. that. I know Nathan That's Fielder right. produces it. It lived up to its expectations and uh, they renewed it. And I think in 2021 or early 2022, they're going to come up with a uh, another season. And then, of course, the Arkells rally, if that can happen in hey. <laughs> in 2021, which, you know, cross my fingers. But I, I don't know. Uh, we got any scoops on that or 
We're just waiting to hear. Uh, what the we're just waiting to hear from the government. So we'll okay. we'll see. Yeah, ho- hopefully. We, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like it was in the finance uh, minister's hands, actually. So we'll be yeah, now it's up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, have it at St. Bart's. That would be amazing. <laughs> Honestly, That'd be an awesome yeah. trip. It would almost be worth losing your job for. Um, <laughs> hey, um, I know you you probably follow, just speaking of funny, quirky shows that we like, Nirvana, the band, the show, which we both love. Yeah. Jay McCarroll, who's one of the stars, he did the um, the music for The Kid Detective, that movie yeah. with uh, Adam Brody on it. Did you watch that? I, I, no, I, 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 I'm it. dying just to see it, though. I hear, I hear it's very good. Yeah, okay. I, I, I was yeah, and they just released the action English. figures for Nirvana, the show, the band, too, I noticed. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. That's yeah. very but cool. where the... F- F is season three of the show. At JFL, we got to see a preview of it. Like they actually, oh, really? they released a, a full episode that was not completed, but it was a, a, a full episode and it was hilarious. And then we never heard of season three again. Do you notice that Matt got kind of ripped lately? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I saw a video and he was actually making fun of his action figure, how it, he, he didn't feel like it represented how, how good he looked. How he looks now. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he has that type of like Adam Divine body type where he's kind of ripped and a little bit. I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like stocky, stocky and or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some niche shit that no one cares about. Okay. Let's <laughs> All of our listeners are now Googling his body. <laughs> um, for me, uh, 2020, what I, I, so Shane saying the last dance is a great one. That was actually weirdly off my radar, even though we did, like we probably talked about it in three different pods. So clearly it was very present in our lives at the time. Um, my, my, my runner up since we're doing runner ups was the movie Palm Springs. I loved Palm, Palm Springs. Mm, that I movie just watched just, that two nights ago. Thoughts? No, I loved it. It was way less funny than I thought it was going to be, but way, but it, it really makes you think, you know, about, about existence. Which I like. Absolutely. I like to be tripped out in that way. That's the thing. I kind of haven't really stopped. I think about it at least once a week, and I just I, I, I so that mm-hmm. was that was that was my runner up. But number one, and I never in a million years would have thought this would be number one for me. But maybe it was just that time in the pandemic, or that it caught me off guard, or that I had no expectations, and probably even lesser expectations, like low expectations. Was Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso made me like feel so good. And the first episode's clunky. They set the premise. The premise is stupid. But then once you sort of like let, by episode three, it starts to work its magic on you and it just exudes goodness. The soccer You'll, movie? Yeah. Or show, show, TV show. Yeah, on Apple. And oh. it's it's with, uh, yeah, J- Jason Sudeikis. And it's like, you maybe laugh out loud like once or twice an episode, but you just, you're always smiling and you always feel good and you're just rooting for him. And in a year where like kind of shit just makes you feel bad all the time, you always read the news. This show continually made me feel good. So I, uh, yeah, Ted Lasso is weird. And I never would have thought that, uh, that that would be my number one. Is that, yeah. is that a Randall recommendation? That one? It got on my radar because Randall was on it super early. And then I've now like flipped it on to like as many people as I can. And oh, wow. I haven't had one I person come it. back and say, it's not, they didn't enjoy it. I'm actually really interested to know your take on it, Shane. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, I, I know your comedy sensibility, but this, this show is pretty saccharine. It's pretty like, it's pretty sweet. You know what I mean? It's not I like, like uh, I don't need to laugh. I, I totally know that, but I almost, I just, I was worried that you're going to be like, ah, it's dumb or something like that. So I, in a weird way, I didn't flip it to you. I flipped it to my brother who I don't think has still watched it. I flipped it to Max who I know still hasn't watched it because he hasn't. I watched it. the first episode and I didn't like it. I, I thought the first episode was clunky and I was like, eh, whatever, I don't give a shit. That now, the, now that you've said this, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a look. This is the caveat. The, the first episode is, it's clunky. They have to set up the premise and it's, it seems stupid. 
but by episode three, you just got to give it to episode three, and then I think it does work its magic on you. So that's that's what, mine. Did Sean Dawson uh, watch it? Because he's a soccer yeah. guy. Yeah, and yeah, he, he enjoyed it. Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike M, okay. Sean, no, uh, that's good. Jules, yeah, all of them, all of them, all of them. Uh, um, which, by the way, I was, I, I, uh, I saw them. Uh, what, what night was it? Two nights ago, because Sean put the TV in the backyard and it was Raptors Philly game, and so we all sat in the backyard distance and and hung out. And it's funny, all of those guys had listened to the most recent podcast. Uh, and you might be hearing this now, but like, so, so we have these ads that are jumping in on the pod and oh, I've, yeah. I've been getting notes from people. My brother, actually, you know, we talk about my brother being all of our harshest critic. He was like, what is up with the placement of the ads? But he said it in a lot more sort of a cutting way. Uh, and I was like, I, I was like, that. oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, we deliver the pod and then they drop it in. But I think we need to start building in time code whooshes. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Anyway, so for our listeners who might be like, for all we know, my voice is getting cut off right now to go to an ad and then it will come back. Uh, we're sorting out the timing of that. But anyway, well, that was all- my fear when the ads started because I hear other ones do it and it, it just sounds not very professional and it really throws off the flow. Mike, let's just say, hey, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to hear Max's year end list. Go, go for it. Let's see if they do it. Okay, but I still haven't done what I'm looking forward to, Max. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, no. No, do, do that. Just basically. Now when we Max come back from the is the break, disruption that ruins the flow. <laughs> uh, okay, and quickly, the thing I'm looking forward to most by far in, uh, in 2021 is the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary, Get Back, mm. which just released their trailer of all of this restored footage that they found in like some Dutch warehouse, like over 60 hours of footage, like years ago. They didn't know who was going to sort of take on this project. Peter Jackson has been going through all this footage and that sort of five minute trailer of just sort of like random montage of moments got me so happy and excited for this movie uh that i that's the thing i'm by far looking forward to most all right and now uh guys we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we're gonna get max's uh favorite of 2020 and what he's most looking forward to in 2021 and we're back maxi why don't you uh why don't you let us know uh what you got on your list uh well i did uh like um how to a lot um the one that shane mentioned how to with john wilson that's that was very very good um i am very excited about the beatles documentary as uh, mike mentioned so there's definitely some overlap in our interest did you guys see a uh, moon base eight it's like no. six episodes it's tim on crave tim heidecker fred armison john c Riley. it's very like easy very silly classic them it's not trying to be anything like spectacular but i watched the season twice just because it just made me feel so good it was like one of those like it, sort of in a different way like the ted lasso thing where you're just like i just kind of want to turn off my brain hang out with these people yes have some mm-hmm. laughs and just feel like good and warm and so i i loved uh moonbase 8 but it's not gonna like m- you know make you barrel over in stitches or anything it's like it's very just like them being silly which which is great um i think one of my favorite moments uh of 2020 was going to see tenet in the movie theater Mm. Uh, I, I love going to the movies so much. I know we've talked about this before. Uh, we talked about the last pod. Actually, shout out to Sean Menard, uh, who messaged me because he listened to the pod. And he said, that he's like, I know what you're talking about, the, the magic of going to the theaters. And I um, I really miss that. And I, I think the only movie I saw in, in theaters since whatever, March, would have been Tenet. And uh, I think, did I see it twice? I did see it twice. It was in that like window of time in the summer where the movie theaters were open and it seemed safe to go. Uh, so I really like that. Um, and 
Oh, I may destroy you. Uh, I know I mentioned that. That feels like a lifetime ago, but that that came out in the beginning of the year. Shane, did you ever get around to watching it? Oh yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was really yeah. good. Yeah. Hmm. But I'm gonna watch Ted Lasso. I'm gonna watch. I watched um, Palm Springs like last year. Everybody seemed to watch it this year, but it came out last year, did it not? Well, it came out this year, but the problem is it came out on Hulu in the states. So in order to watch it when it came out, you might have to do some fishy business. It is now out oh. on Prime in Canada. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just came out like last week or like I Shane said, like you probably watched it on Prime, right, Shane? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, did watch okay. it on Prime legally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last thing I want to uh, recommend is, uh, I, you know, I read a lot of like sports journalism and political journalism. I don't read a ton of fiction. And Matt Book Club Maddie gave me a book called The Index of Self-Destructive Acts. And he said, oh, this is like my favorite book I've read. Uh, you're going to love it. And, and Eli, my other buddy, who, who, who plays drums in the Alley Band. Uh, hey, we got a, a name. He, we got a name. Yeah, the Alley Band. He loved the book too. I was like, okay. And the book uh, is like sort of a combination of like all of my, oh, many of my interests. It's like the main character is like a Nate Silver-esque pollster who comes from like the Midwest and moved to New York to take a job writing for a big big like a uh, kind of New Yorker kind of magazine. Uh, and he's doing a profile on this sort of like disgraced columnist who, who used to work for like what would be the New York Times. Uh, and there's like race and class and baseball in it and New York City. Basically, mm-hmm. like it reminds me of my dad a lot and all the things that my dad and I like to talk about. And I have, I have a hard time getting into novels, but I am racing through this one. I have about maybe 60 pages left and it has been... One of these books is just kind of on your mind all the time. And I don't really get that very often. But like when you are consumed by a book, it's a different kind of feeling than a TV show or a movie that, that, that you come back and think about. But And you're just kind of like excited to get home and open the book. It's, it's such a novel feeling, but it, uh, no, no pun intended. Pun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. It's a special so feeling. 100%. I, it's a special feeling. So if, if you... Uh, have similar Twitter interests as me, which is like following kind of like stat nerds that are interested in sports and politics. If you care about like the the, the sort of journalism scene uh, and like what writers like to think and talk about, and if you're interested in New York, uh, then this this book is totally for you. It's really really good. I'm gonna get it. If, if, yeah. if you and Book Book Club Maddie are both hard reco, I'm I'm doing it. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. And, and actually, the name, the Index of Self Destructive Acts. Uh, it sounds kind of dramatic, but it's actually a term coined by Bill James. I'm not giving anything away because it's literally in like in the in the first page of the book. Bill James, who's the godfather of sports analytics, uh, sort of like the godfather of the Moneyball movement, uh, he he came up with that term to describe uh, when pitchers in in a baseball game make unforced errors, like commit box or errors of their own, and you add up all those things, and that is the index of a self destructive act. But it, but of course it relates to like all sort of the personal behavior of the, of the characters in uh, in the book. So it's very good. Sweet. So that that's our twenty 2020 twenty slash twenty twenty one wrap up. Mm-hmm. And I have a good new podcast too that I, oh, I started it. listening to. It's called This Is Important, and it's by the guys who created Workaholics, including the director. Oh, uh, uh, Shane, uh, uh, Sean mentioned that he talked yes. about this the other night. Sean Dawson. He was saying it was amazing. Yeah, it's really hilarious. He recommended it to me also. So I checked it out and he's like, you'll laugh out loud. And, you know, sometimes you get these uh, reviews and they just don't live up to it. But within the first three minutes of listening to the latest episode, I was uh, I was howling like it was like midnight and I was waking up the baby. 
laughing. Are you starting from the most recent episode or are you starting from the beginning? Yeah. I'm going uh, most recent and work my way back. Oh, okay, cool. Sweet. All right. Well, that's our that's all our recos. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll move on to another topic, I guess. We're just breezing through this episode, guys. Uh, meaty stuff here. Meaty, meaty stuff. All right. This is the uh, the case of the missing violin. So there was a violin in uh, in Toronto, a violinist, a uh, student slash professional musician who I guess was on the subway uh, with his very, very old violin, 263-year-old uh, violin that is worth in five figures, he confirmed. Um, he left it on the subway. And then he, I guess he had to jet off to Vancouver, but he like, he reported to the police. And so people, you know, it was in the news that basically if anyone finds this violin, it had a very sort of distinct red case, I guess, or at least identifiable red case, uh, please report it, et cetera, et cetera. He really wanted to get it back in time for Christmas. Uh, a week later, the, the violin made its way. Uh, it, it was recovered. He's not back from Vancouver yet, but essentially, I guess, um, some unidentified like 50 year old dude found it on the subway. There's photos of him coming up like an escalator out of a subway station. Um, and they, the, the police were like, Hey, can anyone identify this guy? He clearly, you know, he, he has this violin that he found on the subway. I guess that guy tried to sell it to a cab driver. And at that point, the cab driver, uh, calls the police cause he felt like the whole thing seemed fishy. The police come. It's the violin. Uh, I guess that that guy left. So that guy still hasn't been identified or found, the guy who initially recovered it. But ultimately for this uh, musician slash student, he got his very expensive and ancient uh, violin back, which is a nice heartwarming story. So when it happened, I thought it would be recovered. Um, I think the chances that like a sociopath like is happens to be on the subway, sees the violin, takes it and then figures out a way to like, move it in the black market and like sell it for like a lot of fucking money in Europe somewhere was was very small. So the so the other alternative is that maybe somebody who's a little down and out uh picks it up and just tries to make a quick buck on it. And I and from experience uh, I can tell you that my house got robbed in Hamilton a few years ago and they took a laptop and a passport and some other shit and the cop who's 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 reporting on it said no matter what somebody steals, they will try to sell it for eighty dollars on the on the like the street market because that's usually the cost of their next hit. A lot of these people obviously have addiction issues, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. So when I thought about the violin, I was like, whoever picked this up, there's a good chance they're going to try to sell it for eighty dollars because that that's sort of what will get them you know to their next fix. Uh, of course, when you read the story. He sells it to the cab driver for a hundred dollars. Yeah, he, he, this guy has no clue that this. Well, that's the Tron- that's worth- the Toronto markup. Eighty in Hamilton, a hundred in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was actually feeling pretty good that this person would return it, like unless it just ended up in a dumpster, which is just bad luck. If someone just gets it and chucks it into a dumpster, then you're kind of screwed. But otherwise, if it's getting uh, if it's getting bought and sold. In Toronto, somebody was going to come up with it who had a decent, you know, head on their shoulders and was going to, you know, look it up as this cab driver did. He looked up the uh, he looked up the serial number. He saw it was missing on the news and it got returned. Shane, would you have had the same instinct as me to assume that it will be found? Because I, I I have a long history of like recovering lost items uh, successfully. Do you think it was going to be it, when the story broke? Would you have guessed that he would have got it back in a week? So if it was me who lost the violin, I would think it is obviously gone forever. Even if somebody had it and sold it for 80 bucks, I would think it would be damaged or or lost again. But like with wallets, I've had very good luck because wallets 
with IDs and everything only have value to the person who lost it. But uh, yeah, I didn't read this story. I just found about it now on on this podcast, so I haven't <laughs> thought about it a ton. <laughs> yeah, there was some stories I just jumped to and I deep dove, and then somehow this one fell between the. Cracks well, we we can we can move it on, but but, but Mike, um, have you had anything? Well, I have a story about something. Oh, okay. Lost, tell us you know. about yeah, that. his opportunity to tell his story because Max is keeping things moving. <laughs> Please, <laughs> yeah. Shane, tell us. Um, in grade seven or eight, I was walking through my hallway uh, of middle school and I, I collected <laughs> pogs. I loved pogs, but I would never play them because there was this rumor that if you kept your pogs in like 10 to 20 years, it would quadruple in value or be like very, very valuable, more than quadruple in value. And then a kid just, his name was Adam. He smacked them all out of my hands and they went flying all over the hallway. And then you'd think that the kids, the other kids who weren't the guy who knocked it out would pick them up and give them to me. But everyone picked them up and stole them. (gasps) Like every individual kid just stole them and scrambled. And I was so ruined by it. And it made me a little bit cynical anytime I lose something that people aren't going to return it. And then I went to my mom. I was just bawling my eyes out because I spent forever collecting these pogs. And then she went to like Toys R Us and spent like a hundred bucks and returned the pogs. Like replace the amount of pogs. But yeah, they ended up being worthless in the end. It's like Beanie Babies. They didn't increase in in value, but. I saw a tweet where someone said like their father like wasted their family fortune investing in Beanie Babies. Like like ruined their family. Yeah. Yeah. I was notorious for. Yeah, like I, I was, I would use because when we when I commuted to Toronto uh, for work and like the first couple of years I worked at uh, at much maybe the first year or whatever I always had a book so I would like, but then what would happen is it's like Justin Stockman or somebody would want to go for a drink after work and so I would go for a pint after work but I would have my book which I would plan to read on the go bus back to Hamilton but the problem is we'd sit and have like six pints and I would just leave my book at the bar. So I've like I've left so many mm-hmm. books at bars that I, I just never finished because I refused to buy the book again. Uh, so that 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 was a common theme in my early days. At, this at really March. dates you though because this is pre-smartphones and yep. pre-podcast probably, right? Because otherwise you'd probably just throw a podcast in or you'd be on your phone looking at Twitter or whatever. Do you miss reading the books though? Like do you, Absolutely. or I guess you, I guess you lost them a lot of the time, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will like, I will say even after like, podcasts because we were back here in hamilton for a bit in like 2016 17 i we still i would still read like there was something about that the the train ride or the bus ride where i would actually it'd be the one time where you could sit and you could like read something um but yeah i miss that like that time's all gone now like Mm -hmm. you know i know shane would always lament like the commute but i was always very a little bit envious that he would like he would get to consume he'd be like oh i just listened to this whole pod or i'm gonna listen to this or for pedestal he'd be able to like knock out an hour of a movie that we were gonna review you know what i mean so i'm like like oh that time is Mm -hmm. valuable and you don't miss it until it's gone when you're reading a book at the bar do you feel like a loser (laughs) at all or do you feel (laughs) do you feel cool in a way like you're embracing the potential perceived loserosity of i i there was a stretch there where like like especially when I was like single, I would like go for like to milestones for lunch, and I would just like crack open open a book and have lunch and sit there. Yeah, and I remember I, that. Uh, I don't, no, I I didn't I didn't feel like a loser. I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I no, know. I think I think the milestone part makes you sound like a loser. But if you go to like. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to some like Irish, Max. if you go to some Irish sounding pub and you and you have a Guinness and you were yeah. reading some like old looking book, it doesn't yeah. have to be an old book, but it just has to be really like tattered. I 
Yeah, you would do that too, though. Who, me? No, Mike, uh, okay. Mike would do that too. You, what was that yeah. bar called? The the fifth, right? Uh, the no, friar. what was it called? Oh yeah, I've lost friar. quite a few books at the yeah. Friar. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like for the first hour and a half, I'm like, I'm reading, and they're like, oh, look at that man. Is he an intellectual? As I sip my pint, but then in hour three and a half, it's like, oh, that yes, yeah, sleep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was book, a pillow. The book was boring. It wasn't the pint. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so, uh, yeah. What, what about you? You lose anything, Max? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lose wallets, stuff all the time, and they usually get returned. I lost one earlier in the pandemic. I, I, was, I was going for a jog or running around Queens Park, and then I left it there. Someone returned it, but I um, was reminded of a story we were on tour in england because a lot of bands get robbed you all, you always hear these heartbreaking yeah. stories about bands like like having their shit stolen and we were uh in ireland and then we had a week off before we had to be in germany um and so the plan was we were all kind of going to fuck off and go other places and our tour manager dave was going to drive the van with all of our rented gear and it was a rented van as well from ireland hang out in england for a couple of days get back on the road and then get to germany so it was sort of his paid duty to go to make that trip uh i was in portugal i think mike had flown to italy or he flew somewhere else everybody was kind of in different spots and we get a text being like guys the van's been stolen and we're like oh, oh shit but it was it was a weird one because on one hand it's like okay how is this going to complicate things for us but the other hand none of our personal belongings were really in there because we rented probably 95 percent of the stuff there might have been like a couple of like of our own personal guitars but for the most part there wasn't actually anything that like oh that we owned in the van so uh, it was it was one of these funny moments. It was just like sitting in Portugal, finding out that the van had been stolen. But there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And also, you kind of don't even really care that much. You're like, <laughs> insurance is going to take care of it. It's not really my problem. It sucks for Dave. Dave is like fucking having it. Anyway, um, in the van, they had these tracking devices that are like put underneath the van. And uh, at some point, uh, it went off and it showed where the van was and it was in a neighborhood in london like not too far from where dave who's a british guy where dave lives so dave brought a buddy with him and it was like uh, he he described in this whole like heist like thing where he had to like go to the van and try to find it and he had to call the cops and it was like this whole ordeal and they got the van back and all the stuff was inside it so nothing uh was lost and everything was okay so uh oh, wow and so we, we came out on top of that one it was good would would you be pissed if you lost song lyrics or is that not that important to you? Oh, good question. Because I like to live my life not worrying about losing anything. Like I can't really think of anything I own that if if I lost it I'd be sad about. I'd be annoyed if I like lost my iPhone obviously or um my laptop because that would be just a another email to the apple people that we know just to give me another free one <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's, a call. it's annoying copying and oh, pasting yeah. those <laughs> copying and pasting. uh good callback oh i put the wrong product in there <laughs> shit oh. um but i think you're right i think the one thing that i get frustrated with is if i um if i have an idea for a song or something like that and i don't write it down and then i lose it that's why i'm always like um in the street talking to myself through my voice notes. I use voice notes like all the time. Ash actually has some like good video of us like walking around and I'll have an idea and then I'll just start like yesterday actually like on Young Street in Toronto. I was like, I had this idea for like a Rolling Stones like kind of song. And I was like, and I was just like singing and I was like kind of going through a tunnel and people were just like looking at me and I was like, I'm getting work done right now. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, let's uh, let's get to uh, Shane Surprise. Love it. Let's or do, do we need another commercial break? Do, do we do we throw another commercial break? 
Before we get to the Shane surprise, let's go to a commercial break. All right, everybody, back from the break. Now it's time for the Shane surprise. <laughs> By the way, I hope they don't listen and they just throw the ad in anywhere. <laughs> so none of the- oh, that's yeah. the best. There's no way these ads are going to line up. Yeah. Like they're listening. It's clearly a robot throwing it in. If anyone was listening, why would they put the ads where they're putting them? I now just um, picture the robot listening to this pod and it's single tier. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy your guys and your camaraderie. Uh, that's funny. I was waiting for you to cue me up. Now I'm listening. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So you guys heard about this uh, Hilaria Baldwin story? Or should I say <laughs> Hillary Baldwin? Huh? It's, it's, Mike, uh, you know it's about a big this? Story. Oh, yeah. It's all, all over the internet. So I, I'm excited that this what is What are some surprise. of the broad strokes of it? Uh, well, Hilaria Baldwin uh, is oh. married to Alec. They no, have... I, I want I want Shane to. to oh, Shane it. set it up. All right. I know. I was so just more hilaria. of a test. Does Shane know the okay. story? Okay. <laughs> so Hilaria, or should I call her Hillary, has been lying. Is that not her name? <laughs> but Hilaria is just funny. Like her her situation is hilarious. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her real name's Hillary. So she's been lying to people, acting as if though she was born and raised in Spain. And English, she was telling people, was her second language. So much so that she was entrenched in this lie, because she was actually born in Boston, that she appeared on a cooking show, and she's uh, describing the the fruits and vegetables on the table that she's going to be cooking with. She's like, we have a tomato, and we have a, how you say, what's the English word for this? And the woman's like, uh, cucumber? She's like, yes, 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 of course, the cucumber. And then it turns out she was just born in Boston, and she's just like, you know... Like, I'm more Spanish than her. So it really got me thinking, like, how do you how do you perpetuate this lie? Her parents are both fairly well-known people. Both, like, English is her parents' uh, first language. Her friends came out of the woodwork recently, though, like her high school friends, to say that she's a total fraud. But more importantly, I was wondering, is this something to be mad about? And would we be mad if we found out? Like, you know, we all know Mike loves being one quarter Indonesian. <laughs> Would we be mad if we found out that was a total lie and he actually wasn't exotic at all? Hmm. Or would it be funny? It's a great question. It, it I, is. Um, well, I think, I think the reason why people... Uh, well, one, it is just sort of a bewildering story. You're like, did you need to do any of this? Uh, I think people get a, they're a little more rightfully upset when like the leader of a BLM movement is actually white. You've actually, that, that's actually a true story. I think there's a woman. I the Rachel s- uh, Dolans? Uh, is this the woman in, C- Rachel Doles? in Seattle yeah. who who is like very active in the movement and she sort of identified as black, but she- She had like the perm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that-, that- There's a documentary about that woman mm. though. And- it really makes you rethink the whole thing. It, it explains ah. her, her entire life story. It it's it's it changes your perspective totally on that, and it makes her way less of a joke. It oh, was on Netflix for a while, though. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Uh, what I was think, the two questions? You well, ahead, I, I well I th- I think the thing that people don't like i think the thing is it's like she's sort of built this identity and she's monetized it not that she i mean she's married to alec baldwin who does very well but she's like become this instagram celebrity with her five children and sort of her cooking and all of these sort of public appearances a huge part of that identity is built on sort of this like spanish american experience that she sort of packages and sells as this authentic thing 
I think for people, when it comes out that she's, she's just kind of like, you know, that, that trope about the the American girl that goes to England for the summer and then she comes back and she has the English accent for the next, you know what I mean? And uh, like that kind of like, mm-hmm. so there's, there's the appropriation. So if you are a Spanish American that has had like, you've, you know, it's like she's taken up a spot and an identity that could be for somebody who's authentically Spanish American. That would be the bent. That's the, the sort of anger about the whole thing. You see the clip too of like Baldwin, like on a Letterman appearance. He's like, my wife who is from Spain and he sort of, it, clearly they enjoy the narrative. You know, it's a huge part of, of whatever well, the f- she was saying that back in her childhood or whatever in Spain she didn't have a television so she didn't know who Alec Baldwin even was <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like yeah. outrageous but it's weird because too she was saying that uh, like now that she, this story has uh, blown up gone viral she came clean and, and her excuse was that she's the type of person who wherever she goes she just adapts to the accent and the language so much so she loses herself in mm-hmm. it but if she's from Boston, was she like, get in the car? Like, you know, when, when she's in Boston, is she like that? I, 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 did you read the New York Times piece where when Baldwin, she, I think she was serving. She was like a server in some restaurant. And Baldwin is like, come over. He's like, I must know you. I must know you. Tell me about yourself. You know, you're, you, and, you, and, you, and when you're- That's a good Baldwin. When you read it in the New York Times piece, you read it in Baldwin's voice as well. Like, and I'm just like, I can- t- You're rather yeah, I can totally see it. <laughs> I must know you. Uh, so- I maybe when she sits down, she's like, and she obviously knew who fucking Alec Baldwin was. Is she like, how do I become more interesting to this international celebrity, uh, you know, millionaire celebrity? And maybe at that point, she's like, mm. listen, my, my family's vacation in Spain a ton. I am familiar with the place. I go there for, let's say, let's say generously, she goes there for three weeks every summer since she was 12 years old. So she's going to have an affinity for it. She speaks the language, all this stuff. Maybe to make herself more interesting to this guy who, you know, is very famous. She, she goes, well, actually I'm from Spain. My family's from Spain, which just sounds more interesting than I'm from Boston mm-hmm. and my parents are like, you know, upper middle class people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you're in there and then Baldwin, like now you're at the wedding, now you're having the kids, you, you can't really give up the lie at that point because Baldwin's all in on this exotic sort of narrative. Uh, and then now we, here we are today and it would seem rather embarrassing the whole thing. Yeah, the, tactically, it was a really smart move because you're totally right. I think if he meets her and she's just like a hot chick from Boston, like, <laughs> is he as interested? He probably is not, right? Like, he's just like, oh, you're from Spain? This is kind of cool. This is not something I see every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you, I do identify with H- Hilaria a little bit. <laughs> of course, because your real name's Robert, and then you took Max as a name, which is the most Jewish name possible. You're not even Jewish, are you? <laughs> okay, well, that was my second admission I was going to talk oh. about. Um, and by, oh. by, by the way, I did not take Max. My parents have been calling me Max since I was bef- before I was born. Uh, they were calling me Max. Okay. And then, and, but for whatever reason, they decided to put Max in my middle name. Robert is my first name. I've always been very open about that. The thing I will say though, um, is that, you know, so the band started at McMaster University. Uh, when we have to put in like, you know, the MySpace, like where are you from? Or when you're like trying to apply for, to go into music festival, like where's the band from? You couldn't possibly put Toronto, Guelph, London, Mississauga, Newmarket, which is where all the band members are from. We just said we're from Hamilton. And so, you know, yeah, so, we're, so we're, oh, did you say a lie? Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to tell the lie. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm well, with it you. wasn't a lie. It was just sort of uh, where the band was, the band was born. The band was formed in Hamilton. Uh, and so anyway, you know, the band has since gone on. And I think a lot of people in town are, are proud of us. And what this awkward thing happens all the time, though, where 
somebody goes, oh, you guys are a bunch of blue collar Hamiltonian guys. You know, what high school did you go to? What high school did you go to? What high school did you go to? And then I always have to be like, well, my friends went to McNabb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know, West Mountain, I got some friends who went to uh, Churchill in the East End too. And uh, how about that? And then I just try to keep the conversation moving because I'm just so embarrassed that I grew up in downtown Toronto and I never went to high school or elementary school in Hamilton. So I, I identify with Hilaria and Hilaria. Hilaria.